Howdy everybody out there, this is Big Beefin'. This is JP and I am one third of that Big Beefin' show. This is Aaron Rollins. What you doing boy? We have a ride, bring us in Shane. Now you may be asking, what is Big Beefin'? Well, the answer is quite simple. Big Beefin' is... Where all of your wildest dreams come true. That's a good one, that's a good one. <laughs> you stop listening halfway through. I knew you were podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's his goddamn yard, and he put the property tax on a damn thing. And he said, wait a minute, Rollins, you got to be smarter than fucking average bear. And I looked at him, I said, that goes both ways, buddy. And he kept talking, I just left. <laughs> average bear, that's a, that's a yogi, yogi bear, right? Isn't that? He's that's funny. a yogi bear reference, but that's not the fucking point, man. But the, so That's bullshit. If, hey, are you okay? Did, didn't you tell that one yesterday? I just told that one yesterday. Like, Aaron, are you okay? That he states that Bigfoot is there in plain sight. You just choose not to see him. <laughs> That's not what I meant, damn it. Fuck, you never mind. Never fucking mind, John. You don't want to fucking walk your fat ass and don't walk. There you go. See? That is. <laughs> no. Uh, no beat the drops. Let's get right to this. Hello, my name is JP. No need for no MC. I've been keeping it real since 1983. <laughs> Shit my pants on the big leaf and Just enjoy the show. Black. What's up, everybody? Uh, welcome to another episode of Big Beefin'. If you haven't guessed yet, I am flying solo this evening, and that is not by design. I'd actually, uh, before this started, hit up Aaron, and he was ready to go to join in, uh, although he didn't look too enthused about it. He was laying on his bed. I can't remember if he had his shirt on or not. I think he did this time. But he had his head draped in his pillow. And was watching some kind of movie, so the camera had him looking off to here, and he was like, "Yeah, uh huh, yeah." And it, not really great for being present in the show, which is one of been our criticisms of Aaron's uh, work on Big Beefing, which we pride ourselves in our excellence. Uh, and then he added in Matthew without telling me that he'd planned on Matthew, and we're not. We don't need to have special guests, and Matthew's not feeling in. If Aaron wants to do a show with Matt, I mean, love the guy, but, you know, that's not what the plan was, so it is what it is. Um, we'll just go solo tonight. Uh, Matt, if you're listening, I love you, I love you, bud, but, uh, you know, Aaron didn't tell me he was going to add you on again, so we kind of, I want to keep special guests a rarity. I don't want them to be a commonplace, because if it's kind of like this old thing with Andre the Giant back in the day. Vince Sr., not Vince McMahon that we all know, his dad, who started the whole Worldwide Wrestling World Foundation. The, it was the WWF back then. Um, back in his days, Andre the Giant was an attraction, and he used him very sparingly. So, like, you would have, they'd be wrestling all over the territories, all over the you know United States. Well, Andre would only come in, like, at the end of a run. You'd only get, like, one match because... If you had him in there all the time, he'd just be a normal guy. But if you build him as this, you know, this massive human, which he was, but you build him, it, it really adds to the mystique. And this was pre-internet days, so you know nobody was snapping photos of him. Anytime he went out, you know, it, people noticed immediately. It wasn't across the world; it was just the people there. So it got this legendary status. Now, I'm not saying that our special guests are going to reach the status of Andre the Giant. I'm I'm not delusional. And ultimately, you can make the argument: well, who cares? But if you're going to start somewhere on a show, you do have to have certain standards. 
and um, you know, anyways. So that that's why we're just doing it solo. So it's, it's no big deal. I don't mind. I've talked for an hour before. Um, I can do it again. Not a problem. Uh, but then the, the question becomes, uh, what do we want to talk about? I did decide to do because I know Tuesdays uh, on the show we've been trying to switch to this one star review format. So basically, one star review is an idea uh, where you take the worst reviews on the internet, and Yelp's a good place for a lot of them. But you basically take the worst ideas and or worst reviews, and we read them to you. Now, when we started doing it, we had to act it out. Um, we acted it out like in a play or something. But now, let me close this out. Now we're just um, we're just reading it, and usually we don't even get we're so off topic. By the time the one star gets here, it's just read through real quickly, and we're not even commenting on it anymore. So you have to say, well, what's the point in doing the bit? And it comes back to the argument that we've had since day one: what's the point in doing any bits? Um, you know, we just I, are we going to follow through? We're, we're doing a good job of keeping the podcast. Um, I know tonight's episode; it's like, well, where is everybody? You know, people have lives. I'm not, you know, that's the thing when we're, we are paid, but, you know, it, it, it's not a lot of money. It's, you know, fractions of pennies. So it's not like we're rolling in a dough. So I can't expect people to show up constantly and consistently for pennies. Now, you could also make the argument, well, if they showed up, then your show would get better and then you would make more money. Uh, I don't know. I really think. For us to get into the big leagues, I think we're just going to have to break into a... Somebody's going to have to pay attention and, and recommend us because we're not... The strategy of, you know, reaching out to people, and get, it's it's worked a little bit, but it's not sustainable. It doesn't pick up the heat, and that's, that's because of us. If we got the listenership and people are tuning in, and then it drops off dramatically after that person comes on, well, then whose fault is that? You know, you can't... And some people, you know, they do have big stars in, but... You know, we talk about Joe Rogan a lot on this podcast because he's kind of like the king podcaster, the one that everybody aspires to be. And uh, with Joe, you know, he started out just doing it with people he knows, just just friends of his, just chilling. And to this day, he still just does it that way. He just uses friends. So, you know, for us trying to emulate that, I think is an interesting thing. But the problem is, you know, Joe had already had a really good career. He'd done, uh, you know, he had his TV show. He'd been done some radio work. Stand-up was on point. Um, then he had Fear Factor, which everybody knows him from. Then he went on to do a Conspiracy Theory Show. That's when I first got really introduced to Joe. I mean, I'd seen him on Fear Factor, but, I, you know, Fear Factor with Joe, it was always him just like, you're going to eat that? And, like, it wasn't really anything, uh, you know, it, so it was just a, he was competent, you know. I, I, I mean, you know, he did fine. He wasn't terrible. He wasn't. He didn't change my life, you know. He was. He, he kind of added up to the hype. It's what he was supposed to do. Just provide commentary on people about to do some outlandish crap. And then uh, that's when he started doing the podcast after a sci-fi show where he was trying to crack all these conspiracy theories. And he got really. He was talking about it the other day when he was talking to Penn um, from Penn and Teller. He was basically telling me, he was like, look, you know, I did that show and it pretty much killed my desire for conspiracy theories because I started to see a very common thing 
amongst all the conspiracy theorist guys. They're usually nerdy white dudes that can't get laid. And I'm sure there's some truth to that. As you know, I'm, I'm sure that to some degree is true because you keep thinking, well, if life is this bad, there's got to be something better out there. So you can't really focus on the things that are out there. Doesn't mean that they're bad people. It doesn't mean that they're evil or they got some nefarious plot, you know, or they're crazy like Alex Jones. It just means that they, you know, that, that's just their thing. That's how they deal with reality. It's kind of like uh, Batman and Dawn of Justice said, the uh, world doesn't make sense unless you force it to. Anyways, I uh, got a little off topic up there. So I got, I thought I would do my own little one-star review. Um, I looked up this book. I, I actually haven't read this book. I've seen the cartoon. It's a story called Watership Down. Uh, Watership Down is, I think it's, I think it's from the UK. Uh, it was written about 40 years ago or so, 40 or 50. And it's this fantasy tale and it's about these rabbits that uh, it's kind of like a mythology of rabbits, like where they came from and what it's like to live as them. And they're, one of the rabbits has this dream that they're all going to get slaughtered and there's going to be like rivers of rabbit's blood and it's going to be all of his friends dead. And what he was dreaming of was the coming of, you know, land development. They were going to plow over the land and their burrows and all that shit was going to be destroyed, which it did happen, but... Um, anyways, they, so he, he gets some of the other rabbits and talks to them and they're like, he's like, we got to go guys. And this rabbit had had dreams before that it came true. So the other rabbits are like, well, shit, if he says we need to go, then fuck it. We need to go. So him and a group of rabbits, they ran off and basically it's about their adventures as they go into enemy territory to other rabbits. Some of them get captured, some of them get killed. Uh, it's just a very violent, disturbing story. The cartoon anyways, um. It's just dark, and you see just the rabbits dying, which is, that's another thing. Human, I guess it's probably because of Disney. We anthropomorphic, anthromo, anthropomorphic, we've given animals human traits, and this is a problem that me and John have talked about ad nauseum on this, on this show. We could probably do a whole topic about veganism, vegetarianism, you know, PETA, animal, all that stuff really didn't get started until the Disney cartoons came out and they made, you know, nobody wants to eat Bambi, you know, the little chirp birds that are singing the Snow White, you don't want to kill them, Mickey's a mouse, now you don't want to kill mice, and there was always people that that were fine with animals, but animals weren't seen as necessarily our family back in those days, they were tools they were they were things that you used i mean yeah they're alive and you want them to live and you don't want to be cruel to them but they also perform a useful task so you know horses you can load stuff on them and you can ride them you know ox you can give them to carry big ass fucking things uh you know elephants in india you can ride them around the jungle and do whatever the fuck you want because you're on a damn elephant nobody can jack with you uh what other people ride ostriches just a weird thing to ride um, mostly too many bear riders or wolf riders. That's kind of a fantasy thing. Um, dogs and cats. I mean, that's a no-brainer. But you know, cats clear keep the farm clear of pests. We don't mind cats, uh, but we don't really like pests. So the cats help us out there. It's a win-win. And then with dogs, uh, they also keep out critters, predators, protect the animals, strangers. Uh, now they're in modern times. Most dogs get work as either 
you know, herding farm animals are, are on the police force or they're, you know, trick dogs doing like shows and stuff. But anyways, the show. So, I mean, if you take it from the standpoint of a hundred years ago, it would just be bizarre. It'd be like, oh, okay, a bunch of rabbits died so we could have more food. Why is that a problem? Because back in those days, not having food was a problem. And when you saw a rabbit, you saw dinner. Like, I mean, what are you supposed to do, you know? But things have changed. You know, now dinner comes conveniently packaged in a little plastic wrap. You go to Walmart and you buy as much as you want. And uh, it's super cheap. You can get all the food you want. Um, and that basically, the way they make that shit, they take their uh, they take their pigs and they get a big old fucking bolt gun and they boom bolt the fucking bolt of air into their skull, kills them instantly. Or they have a giant cattle prod, a stun gun. They hit them so hard with the electricity, they, they fall out and die. Um, and then they try to pump the blood out of their system so that you know it doesn't taint the meat. Uh, then they skin them and then they'll have certain cuts. And then they take the rest of those cuts and they grind it up into a big ass fucking grinder. And that's where you get your hot dogs and your hamburger meat and all that cheap shit that you can buy at the store. Um, yeah, an animal had to die for that. Uh, it's true. Humans used to be able to just accept this and move on. But all of a sudden it started changing when you realize, and I think I think Teddy Roosevelt had a lot to do with that with his, uh, I think his book, Concrete Jungle, where he went to a meat factory and it was just disgusting. I mean, it was gross. The, the, he said the factory floor was covered in blood and parts of the animal that weren't used. And sometimes people would get cut or would be bleeding and they'd still package the shit in the meat and ship it off. Um, you know, he was just disgusted with it. So that's when you kind of get, that's where OSHA comes from and standards, USDA, stuff like that, where it's like, okay, you got to have some minimum standards here. You can't just be, and that goes to the, the point of the people that are for government regulation. They think that, you know, if you don't have the regulation, then shit like this has happened. Because if your company is solely interested in making profit and shortening their profit margins, well, they're going to cut corners, you know, and they're going to do what they got to do to get their stuff to market as fast as they can. Um, anyways, shit, we got off on a fucking tangent there. I went over like economics and fucking progressivism and shit. And I'm trying to tell you about this fucking rabbit book. I'm saying all that to say that, yes, these rabbits die cruel and grisly deaths in this book. And it, is, it was disturbing for me to watch. I'm not, well, I didn't read the book, but in the movie, it was disturbing to watch. It was just, it just the animation too. It was old school uh, and it was done in the UK. So it was like, you know, the cheaper end animation. But when they were dying, they would like close into their eyes and you just see the veins and you just see them gasping for breath, trying to live, and, you know, they just die. And uh, it was just such a, you know, the fight for life. So that's, I think that's what that thing is about. It's that life is a struggle. And for a rabbit, it's an especially difficult struggle. And, that, and it covers rabbits that are kept in cages. They call them hutch rabbits, which I have a hutch rabbit here, and he's got it pretty made. But that little bastard, I mean, anytime he gets out, he's like, oh, shit. You know, because everything in the house could kill him. You know, all the other animals could easily destroy him. He's not a predator. He, he just eats grass and shit and hay. And, uh, you know, he poops out little pellets and pisses in his little tray. And he just hops around. And he's not real fast because he's in the hutch, so he doesn't get a lot of exercise. So, you know, I'll let him out and play. I mean, he'll, he'll scoot around, but I can usually catch him. And I'm not that fast, so if I'm catching him. Anyways, um, 
yeah, rabbits, uh, they die. So the book is disturbing. That's what I'm trying to get at. The story is very graphic in its orientation. So without further ado, let's get into some of the reviews of people who actually purchased this book and what they thought about it. This is Watership Down. Um, all right. Uh, and let me just give some kudos to the author before I get too far into this. Uh, it's written by... Uh, it's published by Scribner. It's won several awards. It's now a Netflix show. It's got James McAvoy in it. Uh, it was really written by Richard Adams. I don't know much about Richard Adams. I don't know any of his other works off the top of my head. But I do know that this book was fucked up. Alright, so let's get into the reviews. This is Watership Down. Sharla Bartley says... Her, or she has a topic line for her comment. It says, why would anyone read this book? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Don't waste your time unless it's a sign. If you're trying to improve yourself by reading good literature, there are much better options. So obviously she was not impressed with Watership Down. Andrew L. writes, I did not order this. And in his comments, he writes, I did not order this. So apparently Andrew um, just didn't order them the book but somehow he got it I don't fucking know because they verified his purchase and something happened I guess somebody got it for him it came to his house or something I don't fucking know uh maybe his kids ordered it off maybe they have like Alexa Pro or something at their fucking house and one of those kids was like watching the cartoon and wanted the book and who fucking knows um Logan Johnson his title is One Star two CDs were blank so apparently he was going to do the audio CD and when he popped it in he heard the sound of silence Puddin' Cake writes Ralph Cossum ruined this book now I assume Ralph Cossum is the uh, guy who does the narration for the audio tapes he says Watership Down is one of the most amazing books ever but listening to Ralph Gossum read it Read it literally made me so angry I got ill. He is downright awful. Why anyone would pay this dude to read a book is beyond me. He speaks in one monotone, generic English accent that is utterly impossible to listen to for more than 60 seconds without your brain exploding from boredom. I only bought this because I could not find the original copy read by John McDonald. Amazing, by the way. Do yourself a favor. Do not buy this copy. You will regret it. He absolutely ruins a wonderful book. I will never buy an audiobook read read by this turd monkey again. Terrible. So obviously Puddin' Cake was not a fan of the Ralph Gossam um, reading of Watership Down. LJ writes, Beware of the sticker. Book is beautiful, but they ruined the back cover with a hard-to-remove barcode sticker. Well, okay. I mean... You gotta be able to scan the merchandise. So, if the book doesn't already come with a barcode, or if it comes with one and a new company buys the book, they have to put their own barcode over it so they can track the damn thing. Um, and sometimes that means it's just a sticky, ugly little thing. And uh, I don't see why that's a problem. It's not going to affect necessarily affect the value. It'll affect it if you peel it off and you, you ruin the book. Um, but I don't see why you couldn't leave it on there and let the tape or glue settle down. Maybe take a little blow dryer and peel it off or something. I don't fucking know. People are... It's one thing about these reviews. Some of the reviews are kind of kind of petty. It's kind of like uh, going for the low-hanging fruit there. 
totally not a bot. And then he does the smiley face where he's winking with his tongue out. He's going, uh, I guess that's supposed to be like silly. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, this book is overrated garbage. It should be banned from schools for instilling in children the hatred of books. <laughs> I don't think it's, it's, he's saying it's so bad that it makes kids hate books. Uh, I will say the Scarlet Letter did that for me. That fucking book. That will break you. Scarlet Letter, if you like reading and you're thinking, oh, I want to read the classics. Let's start with the American classics. And you go back and you read that bitch. Yeah, it's just fucked, man. I, I don't know. I don't know who or, or why you would like that. I mean, I get the idea. You got this letter. It means you're a whore. And so now you're branded. And that goes back to labeling theory. I get that. I get why that's interesting and intriguing. And at the time, I'm sure it was revolutionary, groundbreaking, saying, look, you know, you guys really aren't practicing that whole judge not, least you be judged. Or he without sin cast the first stone bullshit. You're not really buying into that because you're you're judging and you're casting stones. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just human nature. We always do that shit. We always think, I mean, we, we talk about, we, we're guilty of it here at Big Beef and we talk about homeless fucking people like, they're not even human beings, you know. Um, it's, we, we want to avoid them. We don't want to talk to them. I had a uh, door salesman come by the house tonight, and I made the mistake of opening the door. I thought for a second, just just, just let it go. And then I, part of me is like, man, I don't want to be that guy that is standing there refusing to interact with the world. That's, that's not me. Meet the world head on. But the problem is, I know they're going to try their pitch their fucking sales gimmick, and literally, they will have nothing that I'm interested in. They, they just won't have anything. I'm not a gung-ho, get my house all into 100% immaculate, you know, get everything trimmed and, and, and weeded and bug sprayed and treated. And, and you get my driveway done, get my cars done, get my security system set up, get my windows fixed, get my trim on my windows, get my paint. I'm not trying to do any of that bullshit. The way I operate my house is when something fucking breaks and it don't work no more and I am incapable of fixing it, then I'll call in the experts. I'm not. I'm not going to be proactive and spend all these monthly fees to have somebody come fucking do it for me when it's shit I can do myself. So sorry, salesman. It's not that I don't hate you, and I will talk to you, but I really just kind of want to say, hey guys, I'm not interested. So I'm at least letting you know. But uh, sometimes that's kind of awkward because they don't want to get. They, they know. They're trained. Don't let them get a word in. Just come in straight with your pitch and come hard. That's the way you got to hit them. You got to sell. You got to sell. And, you know, and really they only need, you know, three or four a day and they're good. You know, they just, they just have to be consistent at it. They have to get, get them. So if you go walk into 150 houses and four of them bite, you know, that's pretty good. You just got to do it every day. And uh, I'm not biting. And I know that's got to be, I know it's hard on the guys. I know it's not like it used to be where, like, but we had, whenever we had a door-to-door -door salesman in Kearns, it was kind of a big deal because it's like, oh, stranger, you know, somebody we don't know. It just was rare because nobody really came to town, and you don't think of delivery services going out in the rural areas like that. But um, I can remember a salesman would come over, mom would invite him in the house and fucking offer him lunch and get him a soda, and the guy would be selling some shit that mom had no business paying. There was, there was an encyclopedia salesman came by the house once, and he was trying to sell an encyclopedia. And for the youngins out there, before Wikipedia, before you could get on Google and type something and then type it in and then get all this information about it, you had to either go to the library, and when you went to the library, or maybe if you were rich enough, you got what was called an encyclopedia. And it's basically 
a volume of books from A to Z that covers a variety of topics. So it covers like politics, anthropology, science, math, archaeology, reading, medical. I mean, it covers fucking everything. And uh, ultimately, it's, you know, it's, nobody's going to read all that shit. It's much better nowadays because you can easily type. You can think something in your head. You can say, oh, you know, I wonder how uh, photographs work. How do they, how do you take an image of something and put it on paper with just flicking a switch and showing some lights? What's the, what's the process? You know, in an encyclopedia, it might have it if it was, if it covered that kind of shit, but it's not going to get super detailed. It's going to tell you about photography and some famous photographers and when it was invented and what kind of practices it has now. But, you're not going to get the details, like, you know, the ins and outs of what makes a photograph work. So you have to, uh, you know, nowadays you can just get on the Google and fucking type in photograph and there's going to be a couple of articles that explains it to you and breaks it down, the whole process and refraction and chemicals and all that shit and how it captures the light. Uh, yeah, so the internet pretty much killed encyclopedias. I don't know, I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, I was talking about crappy books. Yeah, and there's some there's some crappy ones that you make you read. Um, all right, C. McGuire writes, Boring! With an exclamation mark. This book was so incredibly boring. I wish I could give it a no-stars rating. I mean, who cares about a bunch of rabbits? The story was very confusing and got me totally lost. All that happened was rabbits did this and rabbits did that. There are a few occasional parts that were remotely interesting, but not enough to make it worth reading. I would have stopped reading as soon as I started it, except that I had to read it for school. But if you're thinking about getting this, I recommend you save yourself some time and money. So obviously, uh, Mr. McGuire had to read this for school, and he was not a fan. Faith T. Hostat. Hostat? I don't know. Whatever. A big letdown. I'm a teenager and I read this whole book. I found it was a total letdown. So many people have said it was a wonderful book. However, I found it incredible, bore, incredibly boring and credible. She spelled that wrong. Incredible, boring, and confusing. The author made up words so that you couldn't follow what the rabbits were saying. The only nice thing I can say about it is the irony of the book and the little action that is in it. Also, the rabbits are incredibly stupid. It isn't funny until they get to there, and they use the wrong there, destination before they figure out they are a bucks and that they need to mate to keep the warm going. I would advise anyone not to buy this book. I don't know about that part, because um, they seem like in the book, in the, in the movie, they were pretty cut and dry about which, um, you know, which sex they were. Um, all right, uh, just to read a couple more to get off of this. Uh, this guy who's got like 20 A's, that's his name. He said, cheated and disappointed. Although the book was in very condi condition indicated, it's not the publisher's first edition that was advertised, but rather a recent pirated hardcover edition reprinted in a reduced format. Although the book was absurdly overpriced for what it turned out to be, I did not have the time to pursue a return. So he, he just got ripped off. <clears throat> and last review, Kara... Kara says, I had to read this book in the sixth grade because I was in the gifted reading class and I was so sick of it after the very first page. I can't believe the author wasted so much time writing this book. It is very boring. Just rabbits describing how great the grass is. Very boring. 
Um, yeah, you know, for me, the Lord of the Rings, and I was actually going to review Lord of the Rings first, but when I was finding people were complaining about the condition of the books, they weren't actually talking about the story. It's like somebody's got to hate Lord of the Rings. I don't necessarily hate it, but I really haven't given it a fair chance. And I know Gabriel is a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Uh, I did read The Hobbit, and I love The Hobbit. To this day, I still enjoy The Hobbit. Um, I really just never get... And the only thing I really like about Lord of the Rings, personally, I like the dwarves, and I like uh, King Theoden. Uh, I just like that whole redemption story arc where you think this dude's a piece of shit to where he's able to swing back and is, ends up being one of the saviors of humanity. And I uh, kind of admire that. I kind of admire that somebody could be redeemed. He could, he could go down this dark path and give up all hope and be lost. Lost in himself and in his own thoughts and manipulated. And somebody's spilling poison into his ear. And then that dude, he bounces back and he becomes his fucking hero. You know, he fucking turns it around. And he inspires people. And, you know, even though he's just been through this horrific shit, you know, he's, he's telling you he's there for the team. So anyways, I was going to review that one, but, um, you know, I didn't, um, because like I said, I couldn't find anybody that just hated the book. But if I did have to offer a criticism of Lord of the Rings, it would be that Tolkien is way too fucking descriptive. It took, when you start reading that book, depending on which version you use, and when I first tried to read it, I had the version that came out with the movies. So it was like, you know, the new, uh, glossy edition covers, it was paperback. It was a big, thick bastard. Had all three books in there. And I just remember it took like 200 pages just to get out of the fucking Shire. Just to get past all that shit with Bilbo and his birthday. See, at first I got my interest. It's like, oh, this is Bilbo. I like this guy. He was in uh, The Hobbit. And so now I'm reading about how his life ends. So I thought, oh, okay, yeah, that's interesting. And then you get introduced into Frodo and I don't know, Frodo just always seemed like a little bitch to me. Um, Samwise was there. I guess he's okay. The other two, Mary and Pippin, well, I don't fucking care. Uh, anyways, they go, you know, it, there's one scene where they're walking outside and fucking Tolkien's writing about a drop of rain, a dew on the blade of a grass. And I'm like, why am I reading this shit? I thought I was going to see battles and fucking wizards and magic and fucking evil shit going on and you know, dwarves and orcs and, and fucking, you know, running away and suspense and swords and shields. Um, and, you know, I was, I was watching a documentary earlier about fantasy art. And, like, the first Tolkien art that came out was, like, little mushrooms and shit. Like, little happy houses and bullshit like that. It had nothing to do with the whole monstrous coming after your ass. Like, fucking Smaug or Sauron or Saruman, the evil wizard or any of that shit. Or the ring riders. Um... Yeah, so Lord of the Rings. What was I saying? Oh, so my criticism of that one is it's a little wordy. And that's not fair because I need to really just sit down and read them again. And I might. I'm reading Akira right now. And when I finish Akira, I may give Lord of the Rings a fair chance. I, I finished Dune this summer, which that was one. That was a bucket list book. Um, Dune... I've talked about it on the show. Um, basically, it's sci-fi. You know, Dune, if you're like, what's Dune? It's the movie where they're out in the desert and these giant fucking worms come up and these guys are like riding them and shit and they're all in like this black rubber latex stuff and they got these things up in their nose. Uh, in the book, they explain it's a water filtration system where it recycles your body's water. So you basically, you know, your body can last much, much longer without any water. 
because you're out in the fucking desert. Um, I felt that some of the books were some parts of the book were rushed, like the whole science. The guy kind of glasses over how all that stuff works. He just kind of it's so far in the future. You just have to assume they figured this shit out. Uh, helicopters like they they flap their wings like birds and shit. So, um, he calls them ornithopters. Anyways, that's how they travel around the planet. And, um, anyways, it just kind of, I mean, it was good. It was good. If I had read it when it came out, it would have been mind-blowingly good. Because I don't think there was anything like it at the time it came out. Um, you can kind of see the parallels to, like, Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, but not really. But, it, I mean, it's there. And I, apparently the guy had done some research on Lawrence of Arabia and he really liked that. And then he built this whole fucking grandiose world after it. You can see the political stuff that like inspired Star Wars behind the scenes. It's, it's a little heavy in that. Uh, but there is some action. There is some explosions and some sci-fi shit. Uh, some weird things with the engineers and how they travel and bend space-time. The problem is, is that this book, he wanted to get away from AI. He didn't want it to be another book where artificial intelligence is doing this shady shit. In this book, humans built AI, went to war with AI, defeated AI, banned AI from ever happening again because of how bad it was. And that was called the Butlerian Jihad. And I guess the robots were like butlers or some bullshit. I don't know. Anyways, all the robots are gone. So it's just humans now. And after several hundred thousand years later, um, or I don't know if it's, I think it was 30,000 years in the future. I don't know. Thousands of years in the future, they finally, humans figure out how to, with their mind, how to fold space-time and travel instantly to other worlds, uh, which poses way more problems than it solves, but is a fascinating topic to be writing about so competently in the 60s. And I can understand why he glossed over some of the details, because folding space and time is quite the fucking achievement. And you really need to explain that shit. The book, it just says there's a fucking substance called the spice. And when you take that shit enough, and you, over a long period of time, and you practice, and you train... You get to this level to where you can fold space-time. And if you look at the movie, the way they describe those engineers, those creatures, they look like fucking, their mouths look like vaginas. And uh, they look like weird embryo uh, things with little tiny arms. Uh, strange. Really, really bizarre. And they traveled up into this gas cloud of the spice like they were floating, I guess. It's just fucked up. Uh, I think they were just trying to be weird. I don't know. Maybe there's somewhere in later books where they describe them. Um, but in this book, they don't really talk about the engineers. They really don't talk about space much at all. In fact, they only go off the of dune for a couple of times in their real brief little stories. Um, so I'm reading Akira right now. Akira, for those of you that don't know, is the uh, anime that came out, I think, in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, I first saw it. I can't remember why. What drew me to it? Um, I know I was going to Blockbuster... And I picked up an anime called uh, Geist. And it's set in the future and it's fucking brutally violent. And um, I said, okay, well, that was interesting. I was looking for the Harlock Saga. It's an anime I'd seen once as a kid on a, a random cartoon. I was looking for that and um, didn't find it. But I found Akira and I was like, well, let's just try it. And whoa, fucking was not ready for that shit. As far as cartoons go... That's a badass little cartoon. Um, it's all kinds of... And then at the end, it's just a mind fuck of some of the grossest shit. 
you can imagine. And uh, so I'm reading the book because I wanted to see what where I want to get more details because the movie it just kind of ends, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, what was all this? What was all this about? And it's not real clear. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the movie this weekend to just kind of get myself. You know, now I'm about to finish the book, but um, it, and it's impressive. The movie was all hand drawn. They didn't use any special effects. It was all some dude slaving over a desk, fucking drawing. Um, the manga, the comic book, is totally different than the anime. Um, for one thing, there's more characters. Uh, their motivations or what they're doing, not so much, but why they're doing it is explained. Uh, their actions are explained. It just kind of gives you a bigger picture of what's going on. And also, what's going on is a lot different. The, the overall theme is the same. Like, um, if you said, if you were talking, if you looked, if you knew, if Michael Keaton Batman was your only idea you had of Batman, that's all you knew, then you would know, you know, it's Bruce Wayne, his parents get murdered, he becomes the Batman, uh, he drives a car, he's got gas, gadgets, he's good at martial arts, the Joker's his arch nemesis. Um, he likes his reporter, Vicki Vale. He's got a butler named Alfred. He's got this cave. Nobody knows his identity. So Batman gives you all of the basics. They give you the foundation of Batman. Um, and they give you the characters. But so does the Adam West Batman. It's the same damn thing. But it's not. I mean, Adam West Batman is a whole different world compared to the Tim Burton Batman, the Michael Keaton one. Uh, they're two different things. And Akira's the same vein. The manga is just a different thing from the comic, but it's the same characters, though. It's Kaneda and Akira and Tetsuo, and it's their adventures, but it's so much more, and it's different. And uh, the art style in the anime, I mean, it was borrowed from the cartoon, I mean, from the manga, from the comic. Um, that's what it's based off of, and for the most part, the characters look just like they did in the manga, but the style and the color just comes out better on the anime. Um, I'm not saying the drawing was bad, it was good, it just, the anime just looks cleaner for some reason. I don't know why, it just did. So yeah, after I get done reading that, I'll probably give The Lord of the Rings a, a fair shot. I read through all the Game of Thrones books, so if I can do that, I can pay homage to the, the one that started it all, The Lord of the Rings, um, and see what that's about and just get the foundation. It's kind of, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot by starting with the classics later because you're going to see some shit that's already, like Game of Thrones, pretty much covers all the sword and shield shit you need. And Conan the Barbarian, same damn thing. So now you're going back to the one, you know, that spawned or was birthed out of that and. Uh, it kind of sets the groundwork for everything that's coming in the future. I kind of, like I said, kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Um, what else did I want to talk about? Oh. Um, so John was talking about on his podcast yesterday. Uh, and we all, I know we don't really cover this for our listeners. We give... We'll give little shout-outs at the end where we talk, where I, I give names. John, Daniel, and Aaron each have their own podcast. Uh, I don't know how well they're all doing. Uh, Aaron's podcast is kind of weird. Um, it start, it does, it's a variety of things. Uh, one time he talked about himself, what he was going through. 
And then a lot of it, he's trying to interview people, but he doesn't really tell them he's interviewing them. So it's kind of, it's kind of, eh, eh, kind of shady. And then uh, Daniel's podcast essentially is like a recap of everything that's been discussed and plans to come up. He, he talks about what's been discussed and he talks about plans. And then he might throw in a story about something that happened to him and then his opinion about that. Uh, Daniel's podcast is very practical. Uh, it's very grounded in, you know, what's going on for him right now. He doesn't get into the the crazy... <coughs> shit, excuse me. He doesn't get into the crazy shit that we do, but um, it's confident. It's good. Um, and then it just, he ends it abruptly. Like, he's like, all right, um, but that's about it. Uh, I'm going to get to work. Bye. And then he's done. That's it. Fucking hangs up the phone. Conversation over. John has one called JP's What. And you can tell John is really trying to make JP's What a fun podcast. So I can definitely recommend people that are just trying to have a good listen. Check out JP's What. He's just got some crazy ideas. And it is funny. And he was telling me the other day, he called me. And I know he's probably going to listen to this, but he was saying, you know, I watched the YouTube video. And is it really that bad? Like, because I was saying things that didn't make any sense. I was, I was making mistakes. And it's. I told him, I said, well, you know, we know. But, you know, it, it's easier for us to just roll with it rather than call you out on every mistake. Because if we had to call you out for every mistake, we'd be talking about that all night. Uh-huh, and that's, you know, I don't want to be mean about it, but... It is what it is. Uh, you know, and I mean, John admitted it to, to himself. And I've said crazy shit, too. There's problems with my podcast. There's problems with my approach on things, too. So I'm not trying to say I'm perfect. But um, it's just we're so used to it. We can pick the context clues and kind of figure out what John's talking about for the most part. Um, so he was kind of it was interesting seeing himself on YouTube. And I'm sure if I went back and looked at this, I'd be like, what the fuck, man? Why are, we, why are you doing that? Why are you moving around so much? What's going on? You know? Fucking couldn't get the lint roller to get the fucking cat hair off the shirt. This shirt is real bad about picking up, uh, you know, animal hair. And plus, it's the end of the night. This is usually what I wear, like, going to bed and shit. So, I don't, you know, it's not one of my, like, my clothes clothes that I would go out to the store in. But, yeah, JP, what, JP's What is a very funny show where he, he doesn't necessarily do the recap thing unless it's a topic he wants to continue on to his show. And he recently covered the topic of conspiracy theories. And he's kind of like had a running theme this week with conspiracy theories. And uh, the first one was keep your damn thoughts to yourself. That was the number one thing about conspiracy theories. And then the next thing he was talking about is I can't find any vampire hunters. Um, which I think if you, I think if that was your goal is to find a vampire hunter, I think you're shooting way too fucking high. Um, if somebody is a serious vampire hunter, they're going to be fucking bored out of their minds because, unfortunately, there are no real vampires. Vampirism, or what do they call it, Nosferatu, whatever the fuck it is, uh, that got started because back in medieval times, um, there were people that were fucking crazy, and they didn't know what to do with them. And there was, like, diseases that made you thirst for blood, and your skin could get pale if you didn't go outside enough, you could be fucking weird and like to stay in the shadows and shit. Um, basically, anything that just seemed off, uh, they're going to make up something about you. And so, 
the vampire mythology came about. You know, people were dying with probably snake bite wounds or something. They're like, oh, shit, the dude's, you know, this guy killed him. And they're like, well, how do you know he killed him? Because he's a vampire, motherfucker. Well, how do you know he's a vampire? Because uh, if you throw him in water with a stick and, you know, he'll, he'll sink or, or tie a stone up to his leg, uh, he'd float. I don't know, some bullshit test that there's no way people could pass. Um, yeah, it's kind of easy to accuse somebody back in those days. It kind of is now, too. You can kind of say somebody can make a few key statements and then everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's, that's a racist or that's a bigot or that's a sexist or, you know, that that's a, that's a liberal or that's a uh, conservative. You know, it's people are always in the gray. People are always in the middle. I mean, there's some rare cases where somebody's a fucking full-on hard-ass one way or the other. But for the most part... We're all in the middle. Um, boy, I really got on a fucking tangent there talking about that shit. What else is there to discuss? Any new TV shows? I watched this show, uh, this movie last night called Dolomite. And I got brought on to it. It's weird because I'd watched Half in the Bag and they were reviewing this actor. And one of his movies was Dolomite. And Half in the Bag is basically a YouTube show where they review movies, but they're, re they're real funny about it. Anyways, um, I'm watching this show because they recommended it, and it's fucking funny as hell. I mean, the guy, it, it starts off just crazy. He's got some zany... I mean, he puts my... Let me put it this way. He puts Sam Jackson... He could give Sam Jackson a run for his money. This guy could have easily replaced Sam Jackson and been perfectly fine at it. Rudy Ray Moore, I think that's his name. Uh, he could have nailed Sam Jackson, done his roles, and been him all the way through. The guy is fucking hilarious. And uh, the story is just so zany. And it, it's it's weird because they restored it. It takes place during the 70s. And um, anyways, just a fucking funny show. Uh, John said that he, uh, he watched Critters 4. And he said he actually was glad that he chose that because it was just something so different. So... It was so different and so laughably silly that it was enjoyable. And, um, yeah, there's something to say about that. He had two choices, Captain Marvel or Critters 4. And Captain Marvel, I think everybody had told him it's not going to blow you away. It is okay. And it is. I mean, there's some laugh moments in there. And it's cool. It's got the scrolls. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see them showing up as the scrolls, not the Shabari or whatever the fuck they were called in the Ultimate Lines. Um, so it's good to see them like how they're supposed to be. But aside from that, man, maybe some people, I mean, no disrespect to Brie Larson. I mean, I know she's a human being. She's just not my type. There's just nothing about that woman that does anything for me. Um, and the way she's playing the character, it's kind of, it's kind of a bitch, kind of a bitch. Um, it's like she's too serious or she's too funny. I mean, she's not natural either way you go. And the uh, Captain Marvel in the comics is a fucking hard ass. She's serious. No nonsense, no bullshit. Doesn't joke around, doesn't be silly. Um, if they had played it like that, I would say, okay, you know, she just knows nonsense. She just doesn't fuck around. But this one, she kind of gets some jokes and they just feel so forced. Um, so John made the right call by trying something new. Um, it's been so long since I watched the first Critters. I really don't remember it. Weren't there like some bounty hunters at the end that came in and fucking killed them I don't I don't fucking know but um, John probably could tell me more about it but I'll, I'll probably try to go back and watch that one um, what else is going on in the world of big beefing 
apparently we're doing some kind of puppet show. Uh, I don't know all the details when it comes to the puppet show. I think what we're trying to do, we're each going to record our own puppet show, and then we'll watch it, and then we'll talk about it on the show. Um, and now what I may try to do is put the commercials up on our YouTube channel, and that way you can see them there. Everybody will just have to send it to me, and I don't, that's going to be a fucking whip. It's probably going to be easiest for me just to give them the the info to log into the website and they upload it themselves because, uh, yeah. Uh, also I need to give a shout out to cliff. He's been manning our Twitter page and, uh, any activity we've been getting from him. Appreciate you cliff for doing that. I know it's a labor of love and, um, you know, he's, he's out there doing the good work, get, getting it done, getting the message out. He's out there spreading, it, spreading the love, spreading the juice. He's spraying the juice all over the, internet he's on the computer spraying juice as he's talking about us um yeah he just you know just juicy well i don't want to end this one short so we got 10 minutes let's look at some more reviews uh just to try to wrap this in a nice little neat bow let's see what's going on what is going on on one star or less? Oh, I know what I was supposed to say. Daniel wanted me to say, we we're supposed to do a question and answer where we ask the audience, if you have any questions from anybody, tell us, let us know. What, what do you want to know? What do you want to know about the big beefing? You know, what, what, uh, are you wanting to get to know us? You want to know what we're about or, you know, is it something different? I mean, let us know. We will, we'll, we'll talk it out and figure out, uh, Give you some behind-the-scenes stuff. All right, let's take a look at some one-star reviews. Mm -hmm. All right. Very thrilling podcast here. Hopefully everybody just didn't say, ah, oh, fuck it. What else could he say in the next 10 minutes? You know, I, what could I say? I guess I need to talk about what, what's the plans? What, what are we, what are we trying to do with Big Beef? And what's this all about? And why have we done so damn many of them? I mean, we're almost to 150 of these damn things and they're all an hour each. So it's 150 hours. I started Big Beefing because I, I got, you know, I've been married to Sarah for over 10 years. We've been together for 15. We have a baby. We have another one on the way. My life revolves around my family. But it got to a point to where, you know, that contact that I was having with uh, other people, and a lot of this is my own fault because I was going to school. And I was so heavy in school that I missed a lot of things with family and friends. And, you know, that's just part of education and everybody goes through it. But, you know, I didn't really feel like I was living until after that was done. Well, then you just get the problem, you just get bored. It's like, uh, I'm not saying this is very boring, but I kind of want to know what so-and-so's up to. Because I like, we would have parties over at the house and that was nice. But the only way you can keep having parties is keep making contact with people and network. And it's not, the problem is, is that we moved to Fort Worth 
And I just don't have somebody's house I can go hang out. I mean, I do, but I'd have to fucking drive down there. I don't feel like driving. So the podcast is just a way to hear other things, to hear something new. And mostly on my way to work because right now there's not very, there just weren't very many podcasts I was interested in. There's Joe Rogan's. There's one that Eric Weinstein has that's called um, The Portal. And that one's hit or miss. Some of them are really good. Some of them I could fucking care less about. Um, he talks about mathematics and shit. I may be willing to give Alex Jones a try, but the screaming and the fucking nonsense—I don't know how much, I don't know how far I could go into it. And plus, he's a big time Trump supporter, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Trump. If you if you like him, that's fine for you. But I just don't need to hear about Trump was right, Trump was right, Trump was white. Give Trump a chance. Let Trump do Trump's thing. I just, eh, I don't need to hear all that. The guy's a billionaire. What the fuck does he need my help for? Why does he need? Why do I need to be concerned with? Uh, him getting reelected, or you know, not, well, I am concerned. What I'm saying is, is why do I need to fucking listen about it? The problem, the reason why the man got elected, is because the news won't stop fucking talking about him because he increases their ratings. And he said that at one of his first press conference, he's like, "You all have jobs because of me," and it's true. I mean, what would the news be talking about if not Donald Trump? What else would they have? I mean, he's in the news every fucking day since he's been elected. The man has been in the news. There has not been one news day. Where Donald Trump went unscathed every day, a tweet, something he said, something somebody else said about him, it's always discussed ad nauseum. Um, so when you hear that all the time, it's stuck in your heads, and you go to the ballot box, and you may not know which candidate you want to vote for, but you're like, eh, I hear Donald Trump a lot. Eh, I kind of like the fact that he's pissing people off. Let me vote him um, because I want people to be mad. I don't. Know. I don't know about all that. I don't know about politics and all that. I've always voted third party and none of my candidates ever win. They don't even get close. And people are, it got, it's gotten to the point where people are like, well, you're throwing your vote away and you're causing the opponent to win because you're not participating. It's two sides. You either pick one or you're out. You know, it's one or the other. You can't have it both ways. You can't be in the middle. And the sad thing is, is that you can. It's just not enough people think that way. Not enough people want to be in the middle. Uh, for that to happen. Most people like being on either Team A or Team B, my way or the highway, and fuck everybody else. Um, but that's not just how humans are. We're, we're always in the middle. We're always in the gray area. So I tend to lean towards those politicians more because they're more willing to compromise, it seems to me, that they can make concessions. And, you know, it's like the thing with, you know, with uh, liberals, you know, they even when Trump does something that's good, they won't acknowledge it. They won't say, they won't give him credit. They won't praise him for it. It's just criticism. It just doesn't matter what he says. It's going to be criticized. And it was the same for Obama. The Obama did some good things. And the fucking right-wingers just tore his ass up. Um, so I don't know. What are you going to do? Who can you trust? You're just not rugged enough. Speaking of which, that's what I was going to do. Um, so Friday, when me and Aaron were on the podcast... We were talking about uh, Eminem, and I started the, what I was trying to do was tell Aaron that if you take Eminem's songs out of context, um, they're actually really bad, and they wouldn't play them on today's radio stations um, or you know on YouTube because it's just so fucking bad. So... Without further ado, let's let me read off the lyrics to "Bitch Please 2. 
<clears throat> song by Eminem. Yeah, what up, Detroit? Nuh-uh, nuh-uh, uh No, he didn't. They didn't do it again. What, what? You what? You shitted on these niggas two times, Dr. Dre? Oh, for sure. Uh-uh, no. You smell that? This is special right here. What, what? What, 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 what? Yeah, it's the toast to the boogie, baby. The boogie oogie oogie. Yeah, you know what's cracking, Dre. Just let me lay back and kick some sim old simplistic pimp shit on Slim Shit and start riots like Limp Biscuit. Throw on guilty conscience at concerts and watch each watch mosh pits till motherfuckers notch each other unconscious. Watch out, nigga. Some of these crowds that Slim draws as ratty as Crenshaw Boulevard when it's packed and full of cars. Some of these crowds me and Snoop draw is niggas from Crenshaw, from Long Beach to South Central. Whoa, not these niggas again, these grown-ass ignorant men with hair triggers again? Shit. You and what army could harm me? D.R.E. and Shady with Doggy from Long Beach, West Side. Came a long way to making these songs play. It'll be a wrong move to stare at me the wrong way. I got a long ooze and I carry it all day. Sometimes it's a nightmare, just being Andre. But I, somehow, someway, hello, nigga. You know about Doggy A, Snoop Dogg. Now let me cut these niggas up and show them where the fuck I'm coming from. I get the party cracking from the shit I be spitting, son. Hit and run, get it done, get the fun, split and run. Got about 50 guns, and I love all of them the same. Bang, bang, word up. Damn, baby girl, what's your name? I forgot. What'd you say it was? Damn, a nigga, but, a nigga buzzed. Fucked up. Hanging in the club with my nephew, Eminem. What's up, Clem? What up, cuz? What up, Scoop? <clears throat> the great a white American hope. Then hooked up with the king of the motherfucking West Coast, baby. And you don't really want to fuck with me. Only nigga that I trust is me. Fuck around and make me bust this heat. That's the devil. They always want to dance. Uh, I'm the head nigger in charge. I'm watching you move. You found dead in the garage with the 10 o'clock news coverage. Gotta love it because I exposed the facade. Your little lungs too small to hotbox with God. All jokes aside, come bounce with us. Standing over you with a 12 gauge about to bust. It's like ashes to ashes and dust to dust. I might leave in a body bag, but never in cuss. So who do you trust? They're just not rugged enough. When things get rough, I'm in the club. Shooting with puff. Bitch, please. You must have a mental disease. Assume the position and get back down on your knees. Come on. And he goes through the chorus again. You don't really want to fuck with me. Only nigga that trusts me. Fuck around and make me bust a seat. That's the devil. They always want to dance. And he says it one more time. Uh, and then Eminem's part. Oh, no. And this is the part that I don't think we get played. I mean, I know the rest of it was pretty bad. And you're like, how the fuck did he say this shit? I'm just reading the words of the fucking song, y'all. I'm just saying what they say. He says, oh no, big slim dog, 80 pound balls. What? Dick six inch long. Mm, back up in the heezy, baby. He's shady. He's so crazy. Give me the mic. Let me recite. It's Timothy White. Pickets outside the Interscope offices every night. What if he's right? I'm just a criminal, criminal. Making a living off the world's misery. What in the world gives me the right to say what I like? And walk around flipping the bird. Living the urban life like a white kid from the burbs. Dreaming at night of screaming at mom. Scheming to leave, run away from home, and grow to be as evil as me. I just want you all to notice me and people to see that somewhere deep down there's a decent human being in me. It just can't be found. So the reason you've been seeing this me is because this is me now, the recent dude who's being this mean. So when you see me dressing up like a nerd on TV or heard the CD using the fag word so freely, it's just me being me. Here, want me to tone it down? Suck my fucking dick, you faggot. You happy now? Look here, I start some trouble everywhere that I go. I ask the bouncers in the club because they know. I start some shit to throw me out the back door. I come back and shoot up the club with a faux faux. And then it does the uh, chorus again, and that's um, that's bitch please. Obviously, a song that would um, earn Eminem some sharp criticism 
uh, if it were released in today's political climate. All right. So we've hit an hour on this podcast. I've probably, if you fucking made it till the end, you get the prize. Uh, and what is the prize? It's the quickening. So just watch the movie Highlander. Uh, they will go over the prize and they will go to the rules of the contest and they tell you how to, how, how you win. So you've watched Con- uh, Highlander, let you know that you have won the prize. Um, and then I'll let the movie explain to you how that happened. Thank you for tuning in. We're at BBF and Big Beef and went solo tonight. Uh, I will try to hit next week where we have a guest on or at least get Aaron. I'm not going to do uh, two special guests in a row. We're just not doing that. So I'll get somebody else if I have to. But um, anyways, y'all have a good night. Thanks for tuning in. Puppet show is coming up. Uh, off tonight. I mean, this is tonight. Uh, tomorrow we'll be back. We're going to hit some news topics. And then uh, Friday we'll try to get this uh, cosplayer chick on, even though I haven't delivered the questions to her yet. I'll get to working on that. And then... Um, yeah, we'll be good to go, guys. Big Beefing, at Big Beefing on Twitter. We're also on YouTube now. And uh, catch us out. Hey, boy.